good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. It is a beautiful uh, Wednesday evening, June 7, 2023. I am the maestro Jeremy Carp, alongside Babs this evening. Babs, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. So once again, we're going to do a special tribute episode this week. Um, you know, just comes just a couple weeks after the passing of uh, superstar Billy Graham, but reports came out this morning that um, Hussein Caruso Ali Vaziri, who is known all over the world as WWE Hall of Famer, the Iron Sheik, and former WWF champion, passed away at the age of 81. Um, and yeah, and Nick, uh, chime in on his thoughts. Be sure to share some of your favorite memories, folks. Um, with the passing of both Billy Gra- Superstar Billy Graham and the Iron Sheik, there are only two former WWF champions prior to 1990 who are still alive, that being Hulk Hogan and Bob Backlund, which, I'll be honest, Babs, it's just a crazy stat to think about because 1990 was not really that long ago. No, it was not. And actually, that's really hitting my childhood in the heart when you say that, because that means that there's not a lot of true legends around anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Iron Sheik definitely was interesting. I mean, he was he became WWF champion the day after Christmas in 1983 when he defeated Bob Backlund, who had a five-year title reign heading into that evening, and Madison Square Garden. Um, and it was controversial at the time because Backlund refused to submit to the camel clutch, but Backlund's manager, Arnold Scotland threw in the towel for him. Um, and meanwhile, um, Iron Sheik held on to the title for nearly a year until of course he lost it to Hulk Hogan in 1984. Um, yep. Yep. It's known as Talgate. And <coughs> of course, 1984 yeah. launched the uh, birth of Hulkamania. Um, so this is what was interesting. This also began his heated rivalry with Sergeant Slaughter and they, had, Oh once yeah. Again, yeah. Once again, Madison Square Garden cites some of the most notable moments in wrestling history. Well, it became home of their famous boot camp match. And eventually he became a anti-American. I mean, he's always the anti-American, but he became a big-time anti-American tag team alongside Nikolai Volkov, who passed away a few years ago at the age of 70. Um... And they went on to win the WWF World Tag Team Championship in 1985 at the very first WrestleMania. Um, And Nick saying that he feels that he is the biggest heel of all time. I could definitely, you could definitely make that argument, especially in the era where kayfabe was larger than life. Um, Yes. You know, people legitimately hated him. Like, this was not just your simple, oh, we're just going to boo him. 
No, this was a straight up, we cannot stand you. Get the hell out of our arena, out of our lives. Go back to where you came from. I mean, he was the first Iranian WWF champion, uh, the first true Iranian star in professional wrestling. Um, people tried to stab him and shoot him. Um, and Jared brings up a great point here, Babs, that his rivalry with Sergeant Slaughter doesn't get as much attention as it probably should. I agree with that because everybody, I think, associates him with Hulk Hogan just because of his epic Twitter rivalry with Hulk Hogan. And I, I'm sure we'll touch on that later on in the show, too. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to be touching on uh, the rivalry that he had with Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, it's interesting because he made a lot of appearances on the Howard Stern show, on the Eric Andre oh, yes. show, um, and... What's interesting I will is, say this. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say this, that this this kind of probably kind of goes in the hand at hand, but I think that he opened the door. Now, you're talking biggest heels of all time. Now, that kind of opens the door for the uh, argument of Muhammad Hussan. Do you remember him? Yes, he was I the, Yes, yes. Yeah, so he was kind of like the modern era Iron Sheik. I, and I will say that with the bottom of my heart, that he is the modern era Iron Sheik. And I'm pretty well, sure that he probably probably inspired him in some way. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that I think the difference, though, <clears throat> you look at Muhammad Hassan, first off, he was... Uh, was of Italian descent, born in Syracuse, New York. Whereas, you know, the Iron Sheik was actually born in Iran. Um, right. He was in the Seminan province of Iran, born in 1942. Um, you know, and it's interesting because... And we'll delve into more of this later on in the show, but you had mentioned about the things he said with Hulk Hogan on his shoot interviews, his, um, his vulgar language, and his dislike of a lot of wrestlers. The thing of it is, it's a, it was always a huge subject of debate if he really meant what he said. Oh, yeah. And see, and I wonder how much of that was actually like real and how much of that was trying just to get the Twitter going, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was that perfect social media presence. He became he, he literally was like a cult phenomenon. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. So. You know, folks, like I said, like I, I actually believe I actually believe that there's a Facebook group called Things Iron Sheik Says, and it's got over 200,000 people in it. I could totally believe it. And, you know, one of my favorite stories, and they had said, I think it was Bruce Pritchard who had said this. So his last in-ring appearance was at WrestleMania X7. And it was in a gimmick battle royal that only lasted a few minutes, but... He, 
he eliminated, you know, Hillbilly Jim and Sergeant Slaughter to win the match. Well, the reason he was booked to win the match was because he was physically unable to be be thrown over the top rope. Like, he, he was, I guess, I don't know if I'd say fragile, but it was just he could not take the bump of getting thrown over the top rope. Um, and, yeah, Jared is always tuning in. I love what he says here. Um no matter what Iron said, it always sparked controversy in a good way. It got people questioning a statement. Well, absolutely. And yeah, Nick, I don't know if you knew this. There was the gimmick battle royal WrestleMania X7. You had the Iron Sheik, you had Hillbilly Jim, Kamala. You even had Jim Cornette and Brother Love. You had Michael Hayes, Repo Man, the Goon. Um on commentary, you had uh Oh, gosh. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gene Okerlund. So, I mean, it was just a wild... And like I said, the match was only a few minutes. But, you know, nevertheless... Um, and, you know, Jared says he should have been in the gimmick battle royal. Jared's got a match <laughs> against Shaft in January to prepare for. So, I know that's the top thing on... I believe in January. But I know that's the top thing that's on his mind right now. Um so, no, I definitely just take a look at why the Iron Sheik was such a um, a legend among legends. Because he got such a huge response when he was there in Houston at the Astrodome. And even as a heel, he was still getting cheered. Because he became a cultural phenomenon. Oh, for sure. Did they do one of those A&E specials on him or not yet? Um, I do not believe so. Um, but I know Because he that... would be perfect for it. Actually, you know or what? Maybe... I do... No, I take that back. They did. I, I think I'm pretty did sure they? they did do a WWE Legends. Yeah, I just realized it was a few months ago they did... <clears throat> oh, okay. In April, they did a WWE Legends thing on A&E of the Iron Sheik. Um, okay. So, yeah, most definitely. So, um, and then, let's see. I, I know there's so much about the Iron Sheik. I know that uh, he, whoops, give me one second. There were so many legendary battles he had with uh, some of the biggest names in pro wrestling. Um, I know that uh, the Twitter statement by the family released after his death said, with his larger-than-life persona, incredible charisma, and unparalleled in-ring skills, he captivated audiences. The he was a trailblazer, breaking barriers and paving the way for diverse range of wrestlers who followed in his. And let's be real here. The Camel Clutch is arguably one of the most famous and infamous uh, um, finishers. Let alone I was going to say finishing moves. Finishing moves, submissions, whatever you want to call it, moves in wrestling history. Everybody knew about... Uh, you know, Iron Sheik always going around saying that he put Bob Backlund in the camel clutch and made, you know, winning the title. He humbled him. 
He humbled them. He was a jabroni. He humbled, them, he humbled yes. number one. Um, yes. And the thing of it is, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, you know, I mentioned earlier about the whole thing with kayfabe. Well, in the late 80s, there was a time that Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Iron Sheik were caught in the car together with a bunch of cocaine. <clears throat> and for two reasons, there was a lot of things wrong about that. Number one, the fact that he had a shit ton of cocaine in the car. Number two, right. it was the fact that Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and the Iron Sheik were bitter enemies. But yet they were in the same car together. And everybody was like, what? Um, I know our favorite heel referee, Christopher Miles, was saying how they weren't necessarily the best of friends. But, you know, still, just having them two together in an era where they did everything they could to keep people apart. You know? Right. Right. And Bad and I just take this one. I just I checked you- on... I just checked on Twitter and uh, because of Iron Sheik, they don't really do like on trend worldwide anymore, but Hulk Hogan is actually the number one trend for the U.S. right now because of Iron Sheik. So if that tells you anything about the magnitude of their feud together, it's it's incredible because it says there's over 1.2 million tweets about it. Everybody, so I want to say this. Um, Jared puts on here, imagine if uh, Iron Sheik and Bob Backman had a standoff in the current day and age. Oh, I mean, yeah. Crowd would be, crowd would eat it up. You know. Oh, for sure. They eat that. Definitely you have USA up. chance going for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, now I take a look at, um, no, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I look at the thing with Hogan. See, you mentioned how Hulk Hogan is the number one trend in the U.S. So, the reason for that, every good guy, if you will, needs to have that bad guy. John Cena needed Edge. He needed JBL. He needed Umaga. You know, he needed Randy Orton, CM Punk. Hulk Hogan had the Iron Sheik. To kick it off. Um, Of course he had Andre the Giant. He had the Ultimate Warrior. He had Macho Man. But all of it started with the Iron Sheik. You know what made him the American hero. Was when he defeated the. You know the Iranian badass. At the world's most famous arena. You know and that's. That's where it all started. That's what launched the WWF. Into the big time phenomenon. It spearheaded what would eventually be WrestleMania. Like, I just take a look at all the accomplishments that the Iron Sheik had in WWE, even if it wasn't solely based on title reigns. I mean, but we can go through that. You, um, here, here's something. So he was the he was a one-time tag team champion and a one-time WWF champion, but he was also voted the most underrated wrestler in 1980 by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. 
Um, and yeah, Nick even made it clear. It was, this was back during the WWF days too. Um, which you brought up at the beginning of the show, Babs, is a bygone era. Pretty much all the eras, even the Attitude Era, which is the most common, or not common, but the most current era, besides the PG era. I mean, it's all gone. And so were all of our heroes along with it. And it's really sad. Yeah, I, it really is. Um, I want you to take a look at what Jared said. Jared says, I think one of the biggest missed opportunities is the Ultimate Warrior versus the Iron Sheik. What's your thoughts on now, that? Okay, so I put Ultimate Warrior up on Hulk Hogan levels because everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew kind of, you know, if they heard the dun, 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 dun. Whenever he came out, you knew that the energy was about to raise in the building. And imagine the Ultimate Warrior back in his prime and... Iron Sheik in his prime, another USA versus, you know, overseas. And it would have been amazing. And I could have only imagined the promos that would have came from it. Because if you remember any of the promos oh, that yeah. Hulk, Warrior had with Hulk Hogan talking about going in the spaceship and stuff. And I'm just like, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I could just imagine the promos alone from that could be phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. Um, another moment I remember from the Iron Sheik was when he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2005. Um, it was just the second year in since they re, uh, revamped, restarted the WWE Hall of Fame. And I remember... You know, just the big reaction he got from the crowd. Um, you know, because it meant a lot to him. It meant so much to be a part of this elite group. Um, you know, and I, it, and it's funny because for as much as obviously he's that anti-American guy, people in America in his later years just ate up everything he would say. And still did, even to this day. Yeah. I, I look at um, some of the funny... Here, These are just some quotes that the Iron Sheik said. We'll say some more later on, but here's just some of the famous quotes the Iron Sheik has said. Quote, never give up or you are big time jabroni. Um... So it's every hundred year, mother make baby like Iron Sheik, Michael Jordan, and the Jesus. Only one chance to prove you are the real in the lifetime. I remember that one, actually. I personally like this one. If I see the Hulk Hogan or the Donald Trump, I break their back and make them humble. Yep. Um, let's see. I like this. Every day I live above the ground, I happy. And that's what makes a lot of this great, too. Because it's not that, because, I mean, it's shitty spelling and, and, you know, broken English. Which is what makes it all the more better, especially when it's on right. Twitter. <laughs> right. Like, I, I, look, I like this. 
Um, there we go. I do Howard. I do the Howard Stern make me happy. Also, I sold out the comedy store in the Los Angeles for my roast. This way, everybody know I make the people laugh and happy. I love it. And see, some of them are very humble and sweet. And then you got ones like this where he says, Katy Perry looked like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> um. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then he always would call mean Gene Okerlund Gene Mean. So... Uh... He said, Gene Mean, he come to my wedding. He always make the Shiki baby look number one in the promo. He know the camera zoom. I it makes the legend the real forever. Like, I, and you can so go on of, all day. Of Mean Gene Okerlund. Now, I believe that if he wasn't around, a lot of things would have been different because he was a master of his craft. He could do no wrong, really. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head on that one. Because I... imagine, well, I mean, I could imagine if, you know, Gorilla Monsoon, if he wasn't even a thing, just, I am so grateful that I was able to see wrestling at its glory days now i'm not saying that wrestling isn't at its peak right now but i'm talking about when everyone and i mean everyone used to watch you could go right. to the wall the supermarket and people would see your wrestling shirt and be like oh are you nwo black or white or red or black or blah 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 and it was just a huge thing and i'm just I'm very grateful that I got to see a lot of these guys before they went on. Yeah. No, absolutely. I like what Jared said here. Um, just like Rusev, people hated him. And I put his rivalry with Cena at the level with Hogan and the Sheik. People hated Rusev, but you must respect how they ran with the character. And that's the big thing. Ru you know... Uh, Foreign heat is the easiest heat any wrestler could ever get. You just have to say something bad about America or be from another country and you're automatically basically the bad guy in the eyes of the American audience. But it worked to perfection with guys like Rusev and the Iron Sheik because they're from Bulgaria and Iran. You know, um, and the tensions that they have with America. You know... Obviously, you've had your heart foundations. You've had, you know, like the Mexicals. You know, you've had the um, full-blooded Italians. You had a lot of these other groups and stables from that were depicted from other countries. But it was different when it came down to this. So let's not I, let's not forget. That even though he's not from overseas, he was the greatest WWE champion of all time. And his name is Jinder Mahal. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It no. was something different. No. It was something different. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Good. It was something different. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. Yes. 
No, it was. Yes, it was. I love. Like I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I thank you, thank you, Jared. Jared said gender <laughs> sucked. Gender I am does. so glad. I am so glad he agrees with me on that one. That my, was a my bestie turned name. on me, and that's terrible. You that that makes that breaks my heart. Your bestie has good insight. It was uh, oh very. Oh, now he's your friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. The enemy, my enemy is my friend. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I I I look at Jinder Mahal's title. See, and this is another thing. Jinder Mahal, terrible title reign. Rusev never got that title reign. Iron Sheik had a good title reign. But it was only meant to be there. Because, look, there was no way you were going to have Bob Backlund in 1983 or 84 lose the title to Hulk Hogan. It wasn't going to happen. You had back then... Keep in mind, promoters and promotions need to realize that now that it's not about the, always a good guy and a bad guy. But back then, that was the norm. That's the thing. Back then, you had to have the good guy and the bad guy, the face first to heel. You couldn't have two baby faces going out for the title. So that's just how I look at it. And I totally agree. Because now if you look at current day, it's like everyone is, they're kind of in the middle. There are no true faces and there are no true heels anymore. It's just like they're all kind of thrown in together. Right. Because Roman's, a, I, I call them tweeners. Roman's kind of a tweener too, because he's got half of the crowd for him and half of the crowd. Okay. Three fourths of the crowd doesn't like him, but he still has that 25% that's still there. And it's just like there are no really true heels in wrestling anymore, unless you want to talk about CM Punk. I think he's a true heel. Well, and this is another thing with the true heels. Iron Sheik was a real heel. And you know who was another great heel? Sergeant Slaughter. When, yeah. he, when he became the Iraqi and Iranian sympathizer, I mean, he, now I had mentioned, Nick had mentioned earlier in the show that Sarge was, or not Sarge, that the Iron Sheik was nearly stabbed, was threatening to get shot at, he needed extra security. Yeah, guess what? Sergeant Slaughter had to walk around with a bulletproof vest on everywhere he went. That's how good, and I don't think you can get that type of heat anymore. You can't get that type of real, real, legitimate, holy shit heat. And, yeah, the Honky Tonk Man was really good himself. I know uh, Jared put that on the comments here. Big Boss Man, another great example. But, you know, I just look, most heel dominance started with the Iron Sheik. You know, and actually, Hulk Hogan was was quoted one time whenever he joined the NWO or he formed the NWO in WCW. He said that he kind of mimicked what Iron Sheik used to do because that's how he used to get the nuclear heat. Because if you remember on Nitro most nights, the ring would be so full of trash and whatever else because people were upset. At the NWO, and I, I, and it's like I said, he was quoted in saying that he kind of tried to get the Iron Sheik heat. 
And I think he got it at some point, at the, especially at the beginning, when he did do the initial heel turn. Right. I, you know, those are the type of images you're just never going to truly see in wrestling again. Like, the shock that everybody had in America when Bob Backlund's five-year title reign ended, the excitement the crowd had when Iron Sheik's reign ended, you know. And like I said, it's because of so things like social media and radio appearances that made him just a larger-than-life star. Um, you know, because he was, si he was only six feet, 250-ish. Um, and he had, uh, his last match, I believe in, uh, 2010. Um, but yeah, it was his MW in 2004. He had an MWF shoot interview DVD and he talked about his hatred for Brian Blair, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, all others. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, and then I remember there was an old school episode of Raw where, um, Iron Sheik was starting to rant about Hulk Hogan and then the microphone got cut off in the middle of the rant. We see what uh, Jared says here. I hated Hogan in the NWO, and I would have loved to see NWO Hogan versus Iron Sheik. I'll tell you why I'm, I wouldn't, because they would have ruined it the way they ruined Ultimate Warrior versus NWO Hogan. The only oh, thing. gosh, I even forgot that was a thing. Yeah, that, yeah. remember when Warrior came back to wrestling and went to WCW, and they had arguably the worst match of all time? Yeah, I think I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. So once again, folks, we're going to take a quick break from this story. We're, like I said, we're doing a tribute to uh, the Iron Sheik who passed away this morning here on June 7th, 2023 at the age of 81. I do want to go to something that was that shocked a lot of people as well this morning. Um, and... So it was announced that the Chicago Blackhawks are actually in the process of hiring after, you know, a 14-year tenure with St. Louis, Darren Payne. So Panger is going to, um, it looks like, the Blackhawks broadcasting. Um and I'm not going to lie, it's absolutely heartbreaking to think about. I agree. And I will put a side note on this, too. I have heard rumblings that he really didn't want to do that. But with the, the Bally's being so questionable and what their future is, he wanted to go where he was guaranteed a job. Yeah, and it sucks, but it does make sense. You know, yes, but it like is said, very heartbreaking because now we won't get the holy jump in anymore. Well, and that's the thing, you know, the past uh 14 and oh, geez, well, there's the good doctor, and I think I'm hoping he's <laughs> referring to the fact of 
the Bally Sports Networks and everything, and not so much fan bases, which I know he loves to go on a rant about when it comes to um, St. Louis. But it is true. And it was just a few weeks ago that the Post-Dispatcher brought to the attention that Panger's contract had expired at the end of this recent season. Um, and in the recent years, you know, he's done more national work. He's worked for the NHL on TNT um, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And the door of opportunities has opened up for him. Um, but it just sucks being... It just sucks being with a division rival. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I'm very proud of him, and I'm very happy that he has a job. But it's like I said, it's the Blackhawks. Exactly. I'm just going to miss the holy jumping in St. Louis. Um, yep. And, yeah, I like what Jared says. The Blackhawks have a terrible fan base, toxic, and obnoxious. I mean, can't say it any better than that. Um, yep. Now, even their own players are toxic. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. (laughs) Some shots fired. Mm -hmm. I do have one more. There is another piece of big breaking news coming out. How about Messi? I mean, he's going to Lionel Messi says he's going to the uh MLS club. Inter Miami. Um, and I'm just like absolutely stunned. Babs, what do you think about it? I, this is the first I'm actually hearing about that. So I am just like, I'm just as shocked as you are. <laughs> so, well, I, yeah, I don't know what to say to that. I hadn't prepared myself for that one. Um, yeah. That's pretty huge. Well, I mean, at least it gives the the MLS here a pretty popular name to go by. I mean, yeah, that's true, too. I mean, it's just great marketing. But on top of that, there's so much. That would be like David Beckham coming and playing for St. Louis. <laughs> exactly. I mean, a little. I'm... I'm still stunned by it, you know? And, ooh, ooh, here we go. How do you feel? We got a question coming in. How do you feel about Albert Pujols' new job as a special assistant to the commissioner? I actually love this move because the Dominican Republic baseball is really close to my heart for personal reasons just because I've kind of followed the upbringing of, you know, Carlos Martinez and, You get to see and get to know the players down there. The, their training facilities are terrible there. They're playing in like glass and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, there were also players that were having issues with their birth certificates and all that stuff. And hopefully Albert can fix those because maybe once he goes down and, you know, gets his hands on because everybody in the Dominican Republic sees Albert as a God. I am not kidding you. He is like bona fide God level. And every time that you mention him, they're just like, oh my gosh. And then they just start, you know, 
rambling off things about him that people just, it's crazy to even think of, but yeah, he's seen as God level and hopefully that'll make some changes down there. And I really would like to see those kids down there get a really decent ballpark or some decent ballparks. So I, I think it's an awesome move. And I also think that maybe this opens the door for him taking over for Manfred later. I've even gone that far. <clears throat> Shit, I'll take whoever I can get if it means uh, taking over for Rob Manfred. Because, I mean, Albert really does have a good baseball mind, not just as a player, but as oh, absolutely. a person. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's great for the sport all around, I think. No, I think it's a great move, um, most definitely. Um, now, I, w- I want your take on the good doctor here when uh, he says that MLS is overtaking hockey in the United States. Well, I have a, I guess I'm down the middle on this one because I, I, I'm a new hockey fan and I'm also a new soccer fan, but I have been on them watching soccer more than hockey. And I kind of agree with them because everyone's been talking about soccer and now everybody wants teams. Like I think what San Diego's getting a new team. Yes. Yeah. And I I've heard that like, there's a few other cities that have been rambling or, you know, rumbling that they want a team too. And if, well, I've never been to a game because tickets are so skyrocket high in price, but the entire stadium's filled. Oh, absolutely. And the prices have gone through the roof. Um, record and record TV deals are being set up. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of excited to see his future because I've actually been paying attention to soccer since they got a team in St. Louis. And it's it's actually been very, what's the word I'm like, not exciting, but very refreshing to watch. Because well, and it's I find something it, off of off of the main four sports that we have. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Like, it's funny. At one point, St. Louis just was a two sport town again, and now here we are. We got MLB, we got the NHL, we got the XFL, and we got MLS. I mean, and it does wonders for the economy of the city. Um, you know, Sporting KC is one of the most popular sports in the Kansas City metro area, um, you know, and even though they've struggled this year, but it's just one of those things, you know? Yep, it's a learning curve. So I definitely am just loving the expansion of more sports throughout the country. You know what sport um, I wish that we could get? I wish we could get lacrosse. I have been watching the the national lacrosse thing that they've got going on. I'm a huge Buffalo Bandits fan, but that sport is like hockey on crack. <laughs> it is awesome. I, you know what? I love this. When the good doc says how the atmosphere of soccer is like a, unlike any other sport, it really is. Look, you, internationally, you watch it. First off, I watch a St. SDLSC um a match and the crowd you would think there's 80,000 fans in that in that uh stadium like they just go electric 
And then, yeah, you know, he talked, Jam's talking about women's soccer getting a brand new stadium in Kansas City. Women's soccer is extremely popular too, but I feel like it's the one sport, men and women's soccer, where no matter what, the crowd is just into it from beginning to end. I mean, it is just nonstop awesome action. Like, and it's fantastic. And the athletes are phenomenal. So, no, I definitely love seeing the expansion of MLS in the United States. You know, having Major League Soccer is just beyond beneficial. I know the NBA is looking to expand, and there's a chance uh, Kansas City could be a team that once again would have an NBA team, um, among others. So, no, I definitely... You love to see it. I just think that it's amazing to have something positive about this city to actually talk about instead of everything else that's going on. Because it is very, it, like I said, it's very refreshing. It's been refreshing to everyone. And now there's buzz for that. And hopefully it'll strive and maybe... Maybe once Kansas City comes around and gets a team, maybe we can have an I-70 rivalry there, too. Well, that's another thing. You know, the NHL is looking to expand, and once again, Kansas City comes in. Then you got the Royals moving to a new spot in Kansas City area, closer to downtown, where they would have their own district and everything. Like, I don't like pretty- that idea. Well, it's crazy because the K has been such an iconic part of Kansas City. But at the same time, I mean, look, I I don't think you should move either stadium. But if you are, you're moving the wrong team because nobody's going to these Royal games. Right. So that's where we're at with everything, folks. And with that, I know it's short, sweet, and to the point. But we're actually going to be wrapping it up this week here on Roundabout Sports. As always, I want to give a shout-out to Hollywood James Knox. We're always thinking of you, brother. Um, I know he's been doing much better, and we're just getting excited for when he actually makes his long-awaited return to Roundabout Sports. Um, As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, You can go on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, breakers, so many other places you can find roundabout sports. Um, and we always put up the NAMI hotline at 1-800-950-NAMI. That is 1-800-950-NAMI. It's the National Association of Mental Illnesses. It's the largest grassroots nonprofit campaign in the United States based off the advocacy of mental uh, health awareness. And, of course, as always, we end every show by putting up the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Understand that you're never alone. The number is just 988. It's open 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. Um, You're never alone in this world. There's always somebody out there who truly, truly loves you. Um, And you could also be the, the ears for somebody else to talk to and to listen for. So we're all on this earth, and let's try to stick together. So I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Babs. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. 
on Roundabout Sports, and we will most definitely catch you next time. And as always, remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody.